Welcome to 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, our brand performance podcast, where we connect and collaborate with other self-sustaining entrepreneurs, authors, and experts. Hi, I'm Marlo Higgins, your Chief Inspirational Officer. I like to say when we perform, we get paid. This podcast focuses on the areas of confidence, mindset, leadership, and performance, which all lead to increased revenues and sales. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, talents, and self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters. When it all aligns, everything works. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And today our performance conversation is with Joshua Friedman. And he is our special guest. I am so excited. We've chosen Joshua for this conversation because he is the world's largest emotional intelligence community leader. And he has spent numerous years as an emotions researcher and an author. He's also a master certified coach and is coming to us from California today on this episode. So let me give you a little bit more uh, insight, Joshua, and we're going to give you the voice. So for over a decade, Joshua has led organizations and people to higher performance by helping them use their emotions more effectively. He's an author, educator, and consultant, and like I said, one of the world's leading experts. And so that's where our conversation is today. So welcome to the episode, Joshua. Thank you, Marlo. Absolutely. Is there anything you want to add to that intro? <laughs> Well, it made it sound really easy to do <laughs> to, to deal with emotions, and I uh, I always flinch a little bit when it you know says I'm an expert about emotions. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. No, I think that's a forever thing. But you know, it is. It's I always find it fascinating to kind of hear the uh, the other side of the curtain of kind of who we are and what we do. But you obviously have been around this for a very long time. So, what got you started, and why is emotional intelligence so important? And how did you become the world's largest leader? I started in the early 90s. I was teaching at a school. And in that school, there was this premise that emotional development and academic development should be equally important. And this writer came to visit and told us, oh, you know what you're doing is, is called emotional intelligence. And we said, no, it's so interesting. Tell, tell us more. And uh, he did. And then a few years later, this book came out, Daniel Goleman was a researcher and an author at the New York Times. And he, he wrote this book about emotional intelligence. And he talked about our methodology as uh, one of the models of how you actually teach emotional intelligence. And you know, to be honest, I didn't think that much of it at, at the moment. But the book became an international bestseller. And then people started calling us saying, you know, I love this book. It was so interesting. But it doesn't tell you how. How do you actually do it? And so we started to get a lot of uh, inquiries and not just from education. And in 97, we decided to start an organization really focused on answering that question. How do you do it? And, and we did our first certification course in 1998 because we had a website for no strategic reason. It just seemed like a cool idea at the time. And people started contacting us saying, you know, well, how do I get certified? I don't know. Let's do a course. So we did a course and People came from six different countries and all kinds of different sectors and somebody from the Israeli army and somebody from the United Auto Workers and somebody from a university. And one of the things that they said right at that time was, it's such a relief to meet other people who are committed to this kind of work. I know that emotions are important. I know that we can do a better job with them, but I feel really alone in that voice. So we decided 
that's going to be at the core of our strategy is building this community. And now 20, 20 couple years, 20 some years later, we have uh, people in 174 countries using these tools and methods. And fortunately, the perceptions in the world have changed a lot and there's a great deal of openness and readiness. And now a lot of people talking about the importance of paying attention to and using our emotions because they're a central part of every thought that we have and every action that we take. Mm, absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that you and I discussed as we got to know each other and, and had a really rich conversation around emotional intelligence, Joshua, tell us how this aligns to performance. I mean, so we know that emotions is really what we're talking about here, but how do emotions impact performance? We have a mantra, which is emotions drive people, people drive performance. So if you think about whatever performance means in your organization or in, in your life, if performance means people will be more proactive, if performance means people will get up in the morning on fire to do the work that they have to do and not go to bed until it's done, if performance means people will be fully present and awake and engaged and actually care about each other and the work they're doing, in whatever your definition of performance is, there's a component of what is going to drive people to do that. And a very small component of that is what they're paid. And a very small component of that is their job description. And a large component is the relationship that they have with you and the organization and the other people and the relationship they have with themselves and how they feel about the work they're doing. And what we found in our research is about 50 to 60% of the variation in performance outcomes is predicted by emotional intelligence scores. Okay, so getting to the feeling, right? So we're hearing feeling. And I, I have to agree with you. I mean, it, it's a component in working with people. So we know that there's a feeling, but what's the process? I mean, there, I think there's two words that really come out of this. You know, you, you talk about process and practice, which are two different things. Step into that and share with our listeners, what is process for emotional intelligence? So we define emotional intelligence in a super, you know, academic complex way. Are you ready? Being smarter with feelings. Ah, love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so complex. <laughs> so we all have feelings and, you know, we can be sort of emotionally idiotic and leave them, you know, to happen as they happen. Or we can be smarter and use them to help us think and act in a way that gets us better results. So we have a process of how you do that. And remember I said, this is why we started as an organization, was to really focus on this how. And really starting in 1967, when that school was founded, and in 1978, when the self-science curriculum first came out, of the first social-emotional learning curriculum. The basis is this three-step process. First, you tune in and you get data. I should say, before I tell you that the first step, it's actually a circle, and so you can start anywhere. But one step is you tune in and you get the data, and you notice, hey, I'm feeling something. Something's going on around here, what it is isn't exactly clear, but I got something happening, right? And there's, there's this message and this feeling is here for a reason and it's affecting me. So that tune in step is where we get the data and we call that know yourself. Another step is in the circle is choose yourself, which is where you say, all right, I am having this feeling. I'm having these thoughts. I'm, I'm having these actions and I have some choices. You know, I'm sad. I don't have to cry. I'm mad. I don't have to shout. I have options. And in fact, I'm not just mad. I, I also have these other feelings. I, you know, I'm concerned. I'm worried. I'm committed. I'm not just sad. I'm, <laughs> I'm worried. I'm concerned. I'm committed. But there's something important here. 
And fundamentally, Marlo, emotions are messages about what's important. So why we have them is to direct our attention and give us energy to deal with what's important. And that brings us to the third step, which is step forward towards what's important. So we've got the data, we've paused and we've said, all right, I have some choices and now where am I going to go? How am I connecting with other people and my own purpose? And what choice, now that I've expanded my range of choices, what choice do I really want to make? And we call that give yourself. So just to recap, awareness, intention, purpose. Three basic questions. What am I feeling? What options do I have? What do I truly want? And you put those in a circle, and now you're using emotions to help you guide the choices you're making moment to moment. And instead of just reacting, you can tune in and be smarter with your feelings. So that's the process. Yeah, no, I love it. And, and it's clear. And like you said, I mean, because it's feelings, it's somewhat of a, it's difficult. It's not a tangible, right? And so our tangibles are really what we can witness and, and seem to align with to take a clear action. But this is kind of that thinking part, right? And I think that's why it feels so complex, but yet it is so vital and we all have feelings. And so it's kind of vetting out what are feelings and how do feelings impact. And that's what you're, you're talking about here. So go into that with us. So when we spoke earlier, you know, you said emotional intelligence is something to do. So get off the cushion, you know, the meditation. Take us into that conversation because it's quite rich. So a lot of times when we're working with organizational leaders, they hear about emotional intelligence. They may have read some articles or a book and they think, okay, this is super interesting. but what do I do? And being able to turn this into action, how do you engage with emotions on a day-to-day basis? That's where we come into practice. So I told you we started in uh, 1997 to help people learn how to use emotional intelligence. And fundamentally, the answer to that is you practice it. So what that means is you take that three-step process and you're on your way into a meeting where you know, somebody says something to you, or you're in a customer conversation and a customer's not happy, you can, again, just sort of let the emotions flow as they flow, or you can have this little internal process going, this propeller that's spinning and, and kind of moving your ship forward in an intentional way, where you're saying, okay, right now I'm feeling something, I'm reacting to that feeling in a particular way, and I have options. What do I really want? How do I really want to show up in this moment? For me, I think each of us, probably one of those three steps is going to be harder or easier. For me, I'm super tuned into the meaning of feelings when I pay attention to them. But I'm very task-oriented. I think like a lot of CEOs, I have a huge to-do list. And I get very caught up in that. And so for me, the challenge in the practice is taking that moment to tune in. For other people, it might be remembering they have choices. For other people, it might be, okay, but what do I really want here? That's the internal practice. And then there's an external practice, which has to do with the way we ask questions and support other people to do the same thing. And these same three questions are incredibly powerful coaching questions. And they're questions that we can ask in almost any meeting or performance conversation or chat with a colleague or a friend or our, our teenagers. What are you feeling? What options do you have? What do you really want? Okay, so tell us the difference. What's the difference between tuning in and the difference to listening? Well, I think about listening on a continuum. And uh, my children joke sometimes that uh, 
I'll be sitting at the computer and I'm inside a glass box. And it's funny, I can hear them joking about this, but I'm <laughs> not attending. <laughs> a very small percentage of my attention is going to them and a large percentage is going to my task. So if we think that there's a, a continuum of listening that goes from completely ignoring to being in your glass box to sort of hearing to really listening to the content to listening beyond the content to being deeply attuned. So if I can listen to somebody else in that way or those many, many ways, how about listening to myself? And I think one of the interesting challenges is emotions don't come forward with a, you know, a text message on the lock screen you know, and say, hey, this is what's going on for you. Josh, pay attention. <laughs> you know, they're these little whispers and they're these little flickers in somebody's face or in their voice. And so if I'm sort of listening to myself or to others, I miss that until it gets really big and complicated and uh, often very messy. So here's the thing. As people are listening to this episode, Joshua, I think we can all sense it and we feel it from you because you are so intentional right now you're present, right? You're in this call. You and I are connecting, talking, and it being right here right now. Not a whole lot else going on. And you're peaceful. Like, I think people can hear your tone. You're not revving high. You're not falling below. You're engaged and you're peaceful. Talk to me about that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think about the term being awake and I would guess that 95% of the day, we're all on autopilot and we're going through the things that we got to do to get, you know, to get food on the table and keep the lights on. And there's so much happening and we're so inundated. And I think increasingly people are feeling deeply and dangerously overwhelmed by the amount they have to filter and juggle. And so it's harder and harder and harder to actually stay awake. Because when you're awake, you're actually paying attention to not just, you know, this person's voice in your ear, but kind of all of this, this senses and, and the light coming in the window. And like, there's all this stuff right here, right now in front of me that I'm curious about. And that sort of state of curiosity and openness gives me a lot of energy. And maybe that's part of what you're hearing when, when you say that. And I've talked to you a few times. I mean, and, and it does come from you. You just the way you articulate and communicate just your conversations. I find that very empowering. I really connect at a level of peace, right? Peace is probably my number one core feeling. Peaceful, energized, empowered, and loved. Those are the four core, right? And I can tell you that it just oozes out of me, but those are the things I seek are those four things. And, and I base a lot of decisions off of those four feelings. So when, when I can relate to somebody who is also peaceful, there's a whole nother level of connectivity. And I sense that within you. So that has been a long and twisting road for me. I think one of our interns was just asking me about this the other day. She read my parenting book. And in the parenting book, I, I talked about how volatile and angry I felt when my kids were little and how insecure and like I didn't quite know where to stand. And I felt powerless a lot of the time was under, underneath that. And she asked me if that's changed for me. And I think a big part of it is, <laughs> my kids just turned 18 and 20. So 20 years ago, when I felt angry, I was paying attention to the fact that I was angry. And I thought that was what it was. And what I came to learn is that I was expressing anger, which I think a lot of males do. I was expressing anger 
even though I wasn't actually angry. I was expressing anger because I was afraid and I was expressing anger because I felt powerless. And when I started to learn what I was really feeling and not be so scared of my own feelings, let myself just a little bit, just put my toe in the water of that feeling, I started to understand what was important to me. Remember, emotions are signals that tell us what matters, what we're perceiving in this moment. In tuning into that, instead of shying away from it and waiting for it to boil up into something messy, I realized much more of what was really going on for me. And because I could hear that voice more, I was more able to deal with that. And that It was a good thing that I learned that because by the time I had teenagers, I really, really needed to be better at that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anybody listening to this is going, yes, that is solid advice right there is, uh, yeah, no, just, (laughs) just that open conversation around. I love that. I love it, Joshua. Okay. So here's one more thing before we kind of start to come into the close and talk about um, some of the books that you've written. How is this different than mindset? Because like if we're feeling crappy, right? Those are feelings we know we're feeling crappy. How can we empower ourselves, in your opinion, to like frame ourselves and saying, you know what, my mindset is so powerful. I've got a champion's mindset. I'm going to perform at my best and I'm going to go all in in that space. How possible is it to connect mindset and feeling? And what's the process? So I would say that you're feeling what you're feeling and I wouldn't try to just push it away by saying, well, no, I'm actually this. But I think it's a both and question. So we don't just feel one thing at a time. And this is one of the reasons feelings are so hard to understand sometimes, but also so powerful. So I may be feeling overwhelmed, and I may be feeling lost, and I may be even feeling some despair or hopelessness. And at the same time, I may be feeling deeply committed and courageous and willing. So I think that the mindset or the kind of mantra of saying, how do I want, where, where do I want to focus my attention? And I have choices about that is real and it's powerful. And it's also real and powerful to say, and not, but, and in this moment, I'm feeling some despair and that's okay. Don't run away from so-called negative feelings. I don't believe there are such a thing as negative feelings. Feelings are messages from you to you. And they're telling you something's going on. And when you have big feelings, something big is going on. So tune into this message, notice what you're feeling, and then consider that you have options. And look at what else you're feeling. And then what is it that you really want? And maybe this mindset piece is connected with what is it you really want and who do you really want to be in the world to bring that forward. And then that gives you a tool to help you shift your attention and energy towards that other feeling. But only if you have first noticed and dealt with the message from you to you. If you don't listen to that message, it's just going to keep coming back louder and louder and louder. And so don't, you know, if we're in this place of judgment, like, oh, I should, I should be happy and I shouldn't feel sad, shooting all over ourselves, right? And that's like, that's going to cripple our emotional intelligence. But on the other hand, you come at it with neutrality. I used the the word self-science before, the name of our school, the process we teach in schools. Be a scientist about yourself and say, oh, that's interesting. I know I want to be energized, but right now I feel drained. What is that telling me? What am I perceiving right now? What's this message from me to me about? And it turns out that both feeling energized and drained 
they're both about self-care. They're both about meaning. They're both about purpose. They're both about, am I setting myself up to do what's important to me? Am I doing what's important to me? So these, these emotions, when we shift from thinking of them as positive and negative and simply important messages from me to me, and not, they don't cancel each other out. They're paradoxes that exist simultaneously and they help me have a deeper understanding of how I'm engaging in the world. Solid. Wow. What, this is such a great episode. Joshua, this is why you are the expert. I have had <laughs> numerous conversations in the realm of, you know, people have been my product since 1989, right? I've self-studied, I've studied performance. I mean, this is the bubble that I live in and I wouldn't choose any different. But I've never spoken with somebody with such depth around this topic in the way that you have. So right there's your validator, my friend. <laughs> when you say, my parking ticket is paid for today. <laughs> it is so awesome. I love it. Okay, so as we come into the close of this episode, where can we find more? And you know, where are your books? What's a website? And what can we do if this conversation has sparked an interest for someone? So sixseconds.org. It's the numeral six and the word seconds, which is super confusing sometimes. But any way you spell it, it should come up. Sixseconds.org is our website. And we're called Six Seconds because the neural hormone of emotion lasts for about six seconds in our brains and bodies. But that can be for a future episode. But the uh, sixseconds.org has tons of free articles and information and resources about your bringing these tools into your workplace. There are a lot of case studies about our you know, work with Siemens or FedEx or the UN, big organizations, as well as uh, work we do with schools and also in parenting and for ourselves. I would also just mention, as I said, we do this work in 174 countries. We were just at the United Nations headquarters uh, at the first Emotional Intelligence Conference presenting this work and how our work is supporting the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So we work in sort of the space of corporate social responsibility, as well as in leadership development in organizations, and as I said, in, in schools and community organizations. This has a very broad application. So if you're somebody who's out there working to make your organization, your life, the world better, there are tools here that can help you, and we want to support you in that. And we have people all over the world who are ready, willing, and able to do that with you. This is such a delight to have you, Joshua. You and I could have a weekly uh, podcast conversation. Yes, that sounds fun. <laughs> I think we just take this show on the road, my friend, because it is so fun. I, I just we could go to all those countries. We could. Let's just, you know, that's our 2020 goal, my friend. <laughs> sounds fun. This is awesome. All right. So to learn more about Joshua Friedman, you can also visit our website at marlohiggins.com where you can add him to your circle of influence, connect to Josh's resources, and also purchase his books. So I just want to thank you again for joining us today and sharing your knowledge, Joshua. It's very powerful. Thank you, Marlo. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Excellent. Well, we invite you to share this podcast with others and thank you in advance for your partnership. If you enjoyed this episode and it left you feeling inspired, um, share your biggest takeaways on our Performing Get Paid community Facebook page, where you can also engage and respond to your questions. So this is Marlo Higgins, your host and Chief Inspirational Officer. Have an awesome rest of your day. As your Chief Inspirational Officer, I coach executives to gain clarity and remove self-doubt to increase performance in sales. To book a complimentary coaching session with me, 
simply visit marlohiggins.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a call. Did you like this podcast? If so, subscribe and share with all of your friends. And if you want even more awesome resources to gain clarity and remove self-doubt, plus some personal insights from me that I only share in email, get yourself over to marlohiggins.com and sign up for the email updates. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. If you're into it, subscribe, leave a review and tell all of your friends. We would sure appreciate it.